Father, thank you for gathering us around your word today, whether we're here in person, Lord, or online. We know, Lord, that you are with us, and we pray, Lord, that as we open your word, that your Holy Spirit, as promised, would give us wisdom, Lord, and guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to follow along today in the Bible, we're going to be in four different places, big parts of Scripture. We're going to look at some and just kind of peruse some, just like an overview, but we'll start in Luke chapter 2. And if uh, you're not familiar with the Bible, basically that's about four-fifths of the way through. Open your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, you'll find that in there as well, Luke chapter 2. And if you want to follow along in the outline, uh, it's in your bulletin, your handout when you came in. Otherwise, you can open the U version app. That's Y-O-U, U version app, and just click on St. John Mansfield and the whole outline with answers and everything is there in the events, events section. So you can get it in a variety of ways, or you can just listen to me in old-fashioned way, write down and take notes on some paper that you might have around you. So we're talking about boundaries, and if you missed last week, Pastor John started the series on boundaries. And if you think about it, uh, this is not something that we just make up. God is all about boundaries. In fact, right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, it tells us that he separated, right? He created and he separated, created and separated. And what he did was he took things that were uh, made in one way and another, and he separated and he put a boundary. Therefore, we have like the oceans, right? The water, the dry land. We have the sky, stars, that atmosphere, and we have the earth, right? All this separation he made because that was his good order. And it doesn't change when it comes to you, me, and especially with our families, in fact, today's topic, boundaries with family, will probably be one of those that's kind of hard for some of us because we might have grown up in families or be in a family right now that has no boundaries, no filters. It's not something for generations that your family has even learned. And so don't lose heart if you're there and you're like, oh, we're a mess, right? Uh, all of our families are a mess, and we're going to look at some parts of the Bible today. I wish I had more time with you. We're going to look at some parts and say, what does the Bible tell us about creating healthy boundaries with our families? And so that you don't feel like you're all alone and you got that weird family, I want you to answer this question. What's the most famous dysfunctional family you can think of? You got it? Okay, did this family come to mind? This is the royal family in England, and like for years, I mean, they even got tons of books, you name it. This family is a testament that no matter how much money your family has, you can still be messed up. Think about it, you're like, oh, if we had more, more, more room, a bigger house, more money, you name it. That's not the case. In fact, if you look at the two in the back there, the kind of guy that has like a little frown, his name's Harry, and you have Meghan Markle there in the slanted uh, white hat. And they, I think they live in Canada now. They're on their way there. They're, they're disowning the family. We're not even going to have our royal titles anymore. This guy that's kind of peeking in the side, uh, he's a dad of someone who got married yesterday, Beatrice, and he, I don't think he was at the wedding. And he has all sorts of legal issues going on with some things in the news these days. People want to interview him. I mean, it's just problem after problem. But don't lose heart. We in America have our dysfunctional family as well. And it is... The Kardashians, if you don't know who that is. In fact, I wanted to make sure I knew, like, like when you're getting up here speaking, you want to make sure you have your, you know the, the facts. And so I thought, okay, what made the Kardashians famous? What made them famous is that they're famous. It's like circular. Like, she was basically designing 
fashion or helping this French person look pretty and then she got famous. And then, I mean, I know there's some like uh, fragrance lines and makeups now, but it's like they're famous just for being so crazy, dysfunctionally famous. But here's a family that had all sorts of boundary issues that you probably didn't think of at first, and it's Jesus. It's Jesus' family. In fact, if you look at this, the Bible, if you've never looked at the Old Testament before, if you've never looked at Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 3, there's a genealogy of, of Jesus. People who were in his family line in Matthew 1 and Luke 3 that list all these people in the Old Testament, and they were messed up. In fact, we have deception from the beginning, people trying to cheat each other out of their inheritance. We have guys marrying two, three, four wives. I mean, one dude had 12 wives. We have adultery happening, incest, people killing their sister, their brother. In fact, King David's son tried to kill him, and he had to have him killed. And all these people are ancestors of Jesus. So if you think that your family is beyond help, it's, it's, there's hope. There is so much hope. Because Jesus had boundary issues. And we're going to look today in Scripture and see that he was able to overcome and help you overcome as well. In fact, every family has room to grow when it comes to establishing healthy boundaries. So you might have what you think are boundaries, the yes and no, but there's so many Areas where we can improve and put healthy boundaries down. In fact, if you do not create these healthy boundaries, if you don't create them within your family, you are inviting conflict from every direction. And if you don't believe me, here's a little example. It's a very simple example. How many, either you were a kid or you have kids. That includes everybody. <laughs> either you were a kid or you have kids. And the scenario is this. Mom, can I have some pizza for breakfast? No. Hey, Dad, can I have some cold pizza for breakfast? Yes. You're eating the pizza. Mom comes in. What are you doing? Dad said, yeah. Now there's a fight between you, Mom, Mom, Dad. Everybody's fighting, right? Because there's not healthy boundaries that were established. A boundary saying, you know what? We don't pit each other against each other. If Mom and Dad are unified, one says yes, one says no, you name it, we are together on this. Now, that's just a small little detail, but how many times does that play out in big ways? Husband and wife, adult brothers and sisters, siblings, right? How we take care of mom and dad. We're going to go behind your back. Well, I have the majority on my side, and uh, I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to tell them the half-truth, maybe, and maybe it'll work out. It never does. Conflict from all directions. So, naturally, jokes abound when it comes to families, right? Like, Oh, I cannot wait to go see the in-laws, right? If, if that's funny, well, there's humor to it. It's because there's a little truth to it. In fact, George Burns once said, I quote, Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. Families are a little like fudge. Most of them are sweet, but you have some nuts in there. And think about it. We all have nuts in our family. And if you don't think you do, you might be it. They might be thinking that about you, right? So why don't you start somewhere and think, I got to start working on boundaries. Here's the good news. We don't have a choice. Okay, we don't have a choice in family members, but you do have a choice in how you interact 
You don't have a choice in some family members, but you do have a choice in how you interact. And Jesus gives us this choice. And if you're not with me yet and you don't think, man, I need some help, let me tell you, in college, I started college as a runner. I was a person that ran. And for me, that was exciting because when it came to a ball, basketball, baseball, you name it, it's like I was not as coordinated, but I could run. And one night I was doing a Bible study when I first got to college, and I thought, I want to try something different. I talked to this guy. He's like, yeah, I'm in crew. That's where we row. I'm like, you row? That's kind of, you row a boat? This is like hardcore. I said, I'll try that. He goes, meet me at 4.30. 4.30 in the morning. So the next morning we get up and we're on the water. It's dark, you know, like plastic glasses, like glass, or water's like glass. And we're going and the coach is in the boat. He has this big mega horn. He's like, Perkins, get your oar out of the water. You're, You're crabbing. You're doing this kind of stuff, you know. And I'm getting all the guys behind me wet and trying my best. But I mean, the boat's rocking, you name it. So about three weeks into it, it's raining. And it's always raining in Seattle. That's where we were. But this morning it was pouring. So he's like, hey, we're in, instead of doing a dry land workout, we're actually going to have practice at my house. Not that how in the world are we going to practice? We get in the bathtub together and row boats like we're three? What's going on? So coach had us all in his living room. He had us sitting there. And he got on the floor. And he started to not only demonstrate, but to tell us. This is what happens when your oar stays in longer than all the other seven. The boat gets stuck on that side. Here's what happens when you don't feather it properly. You get everybody else wet. Here's what happens when you don't come up the slide properly. You know, he was telling me, not just having me practice it, he was telling me, and when I heard, okay, the rules, I realized that makes sense. I needed to know the why and the how behind it and tell me. This is the same in your family. You might think, you know what? I've got this. I've been doing family for years. I've learned how to live with unhealthy relationships and boundaries. Well, let me tell you, God has more for you. He has more than the practice you've had in your family. He actually has some advice, and it's real cool to find it. And I'm going to tell you why. Jesus has examples. Okay, Jesus has examples of healthy boundaries, and here's something interesting about what we're going to do. We're going to pick four stories of Jesus' life and his interactions with his family. And each of these stories, these stories have like a big main point to them. One, for instance, is that Jesus turned water into wine. He is the Son of God. He was able to do miracles. That's a huge, big, big point. But just like all parts of Scripture, there's a main point And you can look in a story and pull dozens of little nuggets out that will so help you in life. And that's what we're going to do when we're looking for boundaries in families today. We're going to look at these portions of Scripture. We're not going to go to the main point. So if you're like a huge Bible scholar and you're like, he didn't mention this part of it. Okay, just text me this week. We can do a Zoom Bible study for three hours as long as you buy me a virtual lunch. Okay, we're good to go. But no, we're going to look at some of the minor points, and you're going to be amazed at how you can do this on your own. You can actually open Scripture and look and say, okay, Lord, how did you interact with family members? And it's all over there. So the first one is this. Jesus shows us that you show honor, but keep first things first. So in your family, in your relations, you show honor to those people, but you keep first things first. What in the world does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. John, or Luke 
chapter 2, verses 41 through 51. I'm going to give it to you. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover, right? So every year they went to Jerusalem for a, a Jewish celebration. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to their custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Can I just pause right there? The angels told you that you have the Son of God and you think you would be more cognizant of where he is. 12 years old, a whole day. Now, I grant, granted, they're probably a big family. He must be with Uncle Joe. Okay, whatever. But a whole day, they traveled. And then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. Can you imagine? How would his mom sleep? Three days. You want to talk about an ulcer. They found him sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Your father and I, we've been looking for you, searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Don't you know that I need to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother, she treasured all these things in her hearts. So if you look at this on the surface, you would think Jesus was being disobedient. That's not cool. But notice what's really happening here. He's 12 years old. We know that he's the son of God. So he was full of love. He was perfect, right? Scripture tells us that he was perfect. So he, he, he actually showed honor to his parents. So you imagine this is probably what's happening. And his parents are talking to Uncle Joe, 12-year-old. Hey, Mom and Dad, I got to tell you something. I'm going over here. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever. He probably told them, but maybe they weren't listening. We don't know, but that's probably the case. And then when, when he gets back, he says this to his mom. He was like, did you not know I needed to be in my father's house? But it says he obediently went home with them. So here's the nugget. He honored his mom and dad the way he should have. He listened, hey, I'm going with you. I'll do what you say. That's fulfilling the fourth commandment right there. But B, he was showing that I need to be in connection with my father. That's first priority. Now, our boundaries in our family are usually just the opposite. We will have been told or we think somehow, somehow in our head, that we need to sacrifice so much that we need to put everybody else's needs in front of us. In fact, when I want to say no in my head, I'm going to say yes just because I want them either to like me, I want to smooth things over, and I don't want to cause conflict. And I'm going to put my knees behind. I'm just going to do whatever they say. When Jesus is like, no, here's the order that Jesus would give you. God first, you second, because you need to take care of yourself or you'll be no good to anybody else, like your relationship with him. Number three is your family, and then work is number four. I'll be preaching on work in a couple weeks, boundaries of work, but here, that's the order. If you don't put God first and then the care for yourself, and then your family, then work, you're going to be no good to your family, work, anybody else, even to yourself. Think about that. And Jesus is showing a boundary of orders there. I'm going to honor my family, 
They keep first things first. Number two is this. Speak the truth and do what's appropriate. Speak the truth, and I, I actually want to put the word but. Speak the truth, but also do what's appropriate. We find ourselves in John chapter 2. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'm just going to give it to you. Jesus is doing his first public miracle that we're aware of. He goes to a wedding, and I love this story because it tells you that Jesus was not a bore. People actually wanted Jesus around. They're like, dude, come to my party. We're going to have a great wedding afterwards, a big party. Come to my wedding. And while he's there, they had such a good time, they ran out of wine. And the scripture tells us that his mom came up to him and said, hey, they ran out of wine. You got to do something. And he gently looks at her and he says, woman, and a lot of people get upset with that in the modern English, but in the Greek translation, the original right there, that was a, a word of kindness. So he, he kindly was speaking to her, said, woman, my time has not yet come. But then what did he do? He ordered them to fill all those jars and boom, he did what she requested. He did a miracle. What do we learn about family dynamics here? We learn that it's important to tell the truth to people in a conversation. He says, hey, mom, this is not my time yet. But we also find that it was appropriate. Jesus said, you know what? But I, I have the compassion and the need. I'm still going to do something. And he did. How many times do you have resentments that are built up because you can't have that boundary of a good, honest conversation? Sometimes you just go ahead and do it out of angst or spite. Like, ah, oh, I'm so mad they asked me again. I'm just going to do it, but next time I'm not. And then the next time comes and you do it again, and you're all frustrated inside, and those squirrels are going crazy in your head, and nobody around you knows the difference. They're just wondering, why is he all upset? Why is he getting quiet right now? We've lost a boundary. We don't have a good boundary with ourselves to say, you know what, I'm going to, to share with that person what I'm feeling and explain why I am or am not doing this. It's a very important in families. The third one is this. Keep healthy boundaries between family of origin and your family of choice. Between family of origin and family of choice. Now, this is what I mean. There are very few people in your family that you chose to have in your family. There are some, maybe, right? If you chose to get married, you choose that person to be in your family. Or maybe if you've adopted someone, you've specifically probably chosen that person. But for the majority of our family of origin, we don't have that choice. So in steps Jesus. Again, a lot of conversation in this scripture that was just read that we're going to look at in Mark 3. You could talk about, well, what's the unforgivable sin? What's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Who's this Beelzebub? They're talking about demons. I mean, we could camp here a long time, but what I want to pull out for you is this. Jesus had family. He had a lot of brothers, younger brothers. His mama had kids after he was born. We don't ever know what happened to his dad. We don't hear from him after the beginning of the Gospels. He probably died young. But what you do hear about is his mother's there a lot and his brother's. And we look at portions of John and other portions of Scripture, they, at least the brothers, don't respect him for who he is. In fact, they're teasing him sometimes. They're like, hey, if you are so big and great and who you are, and John says, why don't you go up and show everybody? Don't just do it here in your hometown. And even at the beginning of the reading today, it said they thought he was out of his mind and they were going to go get him. And so it shouldn't surprise you that at this point in Jesus' life, 
in his family dynamics and boundaries, when they come while he's with a lot of people that he wants around him, that he is teaching with, eating with, they say, hey, your mom and your brothers are out there. He says, who's that? When I read this, sometimes I think, oh my goodness, that's harsh, Jesus. But here's what he's doing. He says, he, he gives you the answer. He says, my mother and brothers, my family of choice, the people I put myself around are the people who do the will of my father. What do we learn here? Just because you are genetically related to somebody does not mean you always have to be in their presence. Let me put it a different way. You might have sacrificed, quote-unquote, for so many years saying, I'm going to go there because it's the right thing to do, but maybe it isn't the right thing to do. Maybe you are not addressing an issue. Maybe you are putting yourself or your kids in an unhealthy place or position because you don't have the healthy boundaries. I've experienced this before. And I got to tell you, there is no more freedom or health when you finally say, you know what? I don't need to go there anymore. I don't feel comfortable there. It's not a healthy experience for me. And I'm going to surround myself with those family members that are helping me get closer to Jesus and helping me be a more healthy person. I really believe that's what Jesus is doing in this scripture right here. He is telling you it's okay. You don't have to ever be ugly about it. But you can have a very good boundary and say, I think I need to limit that part. And that's okay. Don't need to be ugly. But you can say this is a boundary. And you know what? Jesus' mother, she might have gone back and forth. We don't know, but we're going to see in this next, next point in next scripture that he still was very loving to her even though at portions of his life he might have said, you know what, right now, these are the people that are going to hang around. His mother, though, we think is probably a little different than his brothers. They came around after he, after he rose from the dead. In fact, his brother James uh, was the first main pastor in Jerusalem at the Christian church. They called him old camel knees because he's kneeling down. I mean, he's the man uh, praying all the time. I mean, amazing. But his mother, his mother... At times here, it's like, get him, he's crazy. But there's a lot of times we see that she's a follower as well. And that's the next point we're going to look at. Love them to the end. And here's the end for Jesus. It's a very short one I'll read to you. It says, near the cross, this is Jesus on the cross. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, and the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. First of all, I think that's crazy. Mary, Mary, Mary. Anyway, when Jesus saw his mother there and the other disciple he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son, and to the disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Who's this disciple? This is John, the guy who's writing this. John's cracking me up because he always refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. I mean, you talk about trying to get a dig into the other disciples. Well, the one that Jesus loved, that's me. Anyway, he's there. And think about what it means that he's loving them to the end. He's on the cross. He is suffering for you, for them. And he's there and he still has concern for his family. 
in his family of choice, if you will, friends, right? He says, hey, John, take care of my mom, and mom, take care of John. And think about this. John was one of the 10 others that deserted, right? Judas, one of the 12 disciples, he, he betrayed him. And then John and 10 of the others, they all deserted Jesus the, the two nights before, or the night before when he was betrayed. And yet Jesus is like, I'm going to establish some boundaries to show that even though they may treat me this way, I'm going to do what I can to love them from where I am. Right? So he's on the cross. He's like, I'm going to do what I can to love them from where I am. And I love that about the cross of Jesus. Is that he is on the cross, he is not telling us that we're all okay, that, that, that our sin is okay. Quite the contrary. He's like, you are okay because I am paying for your sin here. You are okay because I am restoring you with God the Father. And you can love your family members in that way. You can say, you know what, I want to do whatever I can from where I am to love you, but this, this is all I can do right now. A phrase that Corey Smith, Corey Smith is our family life director, and I love it. He does a lot of good family counseling, and he has a lot of good phrases. And one phrase he shares, he says, is that a lot, a lot of times people will say, well, that's not my fault. My family's, that's not my fault. My family's, it's their problem. And he says, it's, it's not your fault. It may not be your fault, but you still got to deal with it. It may not be your fault that your mom and dad split, but you still have to deal with it. It may not be your fault that you grew up in a family like this, but you still have to deal with it in some way. It may not be your fault that your son or your daughter is acting a fool, but you still need to deal with it, right? Jesus could have said that on the cross. It is not my fault. But he's still dealing with it because he loves his family, right? You can't do that by yourself, my friends. The only way you can do that is the Holy Spirit helping you, praying about this. Lord, help me. So we have on here today, I want you to think about three people. And you probably have 10. <laughs> I know I did. Three people in your family. You're like, you know what? I need to start establishing healthy boundaries with this person. Maybe I need to start telling the truth. Maybe I need to stop gossiping. Maybe I need to stop saying yes when I mean no, just to try to, to appease them. Okay? Now, don't go off all crazy on us. Don't go all, all of a sudden, you're like, I did all this Sunday afternoon, Pastor, and now nobody's talking to me. You got to do this in a healthy way. So don't, you know, pray about it. Read scripture. Talk to someone here. Like, reach out to us. We are here to help. We have good counseling uh, folks we could recommend. We have a lot of people that can help you. You're not on your own doing this. So a little bit, we went into just a little bit, the tip of the iceberg today. There's so much. Just keep looking in God's word. And he will teach you how to create those healthy boundaries with your family. Amen.